Isaiah chapter 35 from verse 1 to 7. Isaiah 35, 1 to 7. It says, um, this, the, the topic is the future glory of Zion. It says, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The excellence of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The patched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. This is the word of God. Canon, please join me up here on stage. Let me pray for you as you minister to us. Let us pray. God, thank you for a chance for us to hear from you again, that we may be encouraged, that we may be helped, that we may find the help that we have come to seek in your sanctuary today. I pray that you'll minister to us. Our hearts are open before you. I pray that your word will find a place in our hearts to take root and grow and bear fruit that will last to the glory of your name and for our good. I pray for Canon. I pray that as, as he ministers to us, that you will refresh him as well, that he will have a good time in, the presence, in your presence as he ministers to us, your people. I pray that he will um, be, be filled with boldness and courage, and that your power will come forth through him. Your, your word will come forth through him with power, with anointing, and that you will bless him even as he blesses us. In Jesus' name I pray. Karibu sana. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm very pleased to come and share with you again. Uh, after several weeks when we've been together, and this has been amazing, an amazing series, series on uh, leadership and governance. Today my wife is around. Last time she was caught up in another church, but today we were able to come and she's here. And she seems to enjoy your worship very, very much. I, I see her thoroughly enjoying at the heart of the series on leadership and governance was the desire to break down for members and worshippers the implications of our dual citizenship. You know, as Christians, we are citizens of heaven. But we are in a sojourn here for years. But we are also citizens of the land. A lot of us by birth. And because we had an election coming, and there were very mixed feelings and reactions, your leadership thought by opening up uh, this discussion, there may be greater light in the eyes of many people, so that when you do make a decision, it is an informed and patriotic and responsible decision. we delved very deeply on the Christian responsibility to participate in national affairs 
and to vote in order to bring into office leaders who honor God. And today we can gather and worship today as we are doing with so much to thank God for in the last week. We had a peaceful election following a pretty peaceful electioneering season and period where very provocative things were said by politicians of all shades of position and opinion and that never escalated to violence. It's like when they tried to build pressure, God had a way of releasing that pressure. And so we have that peaceful election and we thank God. If you participated in the election, you can say that this year we had a very peaceful and somber conduct of uh, the voters themselves and the IBC staff and even the politicians were pretty civil in the way that they engaged. That is not characteristic of our elections and we thank God and if we have peace that has contributed very much to engendering peace across the country in this season. We can also say that there was a huge display of maturity by most politicians. Our politicians tend to be very petty. And constantly you had the top contenders for the presidency assuring Kenyans that they are mobilizing for peace and calling on their supporters to be peaceful. And repeatedly reassuring us, I hope they will keep the promise that if they are aggrieved with the results, they will go to court or accept results, but part of their strategy will not to be excite uh, emotion and violence. And we thank God. But as we celebrate this, we also thank God for the IBC. And we prayed for IBC here. And I said the IBC is in Kenya a trigger of violence if they bungle elections. And as an institution, they have almost outdone themselves. And many, many Kenyans are very pleased with them. I was telling my wife that uh, because I don't think uh, the chair has very much longer to serve, I suspect he'll find himself either in a UN or an AU job because he's done so well, he has gained global recognition and acclaim for conducting the uh, elections very well. Even where mischief has been found, it was individual IBC staff or employees, not the institutional character of the IBC. But one of the challenges of an election, when it is over, we fly with the winners and celebrate them. But this time, I would like to challenge us to take a vote on the losers. There were about 15,000 people who ran for various offices and lost the elections and they are in a very difficult situation and it is possible to forget them and carry on with life. 
I would ask that we continue to pray for them, that the Lord gives them grace in their dashed hopes, peace for them and their families, that they will be able to recover from the inevitable financial loss or disaster that running for the election has occasioned. These are people who offered to lead us and help us. And some of them are Christians. They actually had God tell them, this is his calling to them at this time. And they believed it. And I believe it. Unfortunately, because it is a democracy and people vote. People vote as they have had. And not all of them are Christians. So not all of them hear God accurately. So you have run for an election. God told you to run. You gave it your best. But people who did not understand did not give you a vote, but you are left there now with wounds to deal with. We pray for them that the Lord will give them a spirit of forgiveness. Most of those who lost in elections believe people lied to them. They believe that some people who were in their campaign machines were given money to go and mobilize votes, which they ate or diverted. And there are actually campaign managers and supporters who have become rich. Some of them have bought cars. Others have paid school fees for several years. The money that was meant to help educate the people was used to benefit personally by supporters. And if you're going to run for an election, choose very carefully the people who will be your campaign team. And if possible, don't get people who are very broke to be on your team. <laughs> because the tendency to take your money will be very high. And they are left now with bitterness and pain, wondering whether people told them the truth. If you don't pray for them, and some of them have already been abandoned, by the people who were in their campaign machines. Pray that the Lord will enable them to rise up and move on successfully. Some of them will come again uh, in 2027 and subsequent elections because the voice of God is so strong in them, they resonate with Jeremiah who said, when I fail to preach, the word of God burns in my bones. So they want to lead. Pray for them. You may be the only people who will pray for them. Some of them can't pray for themselves. Some of them, their families cannot pray for them. They will rely on you. Now we also thank God for the 800 or so people who won the elections. They ran and they were chosen in this democratic process, and they will take charge of our national and county governments uh, in these next five years. Even the one which has not been announced will be announced in the next day or two. And from that lot, three will join the 15,000, and one will cross the line and be okay. You pray for the ones who are left behind and you pray for the one that goes to state house because what appears to be a very glamorous uh, opportunity and responsibility is actually difficult 
They will require wisdom, integrity, patriotism, and you hope that they will choose to serve Kenya rather than serve themselves in the offices and trappings that they receive. And I would like you to feel joy in your heart as we contemplate these things. And thank God that the country has turned a page. The worst, hopefully, is behind us, and we have five years without an election, except for by elections, because the Lord has come through for Kenya and answered the prayers of so many intercessors. Lorraine prayed that uh, the results don't come yet so that she leads the service without the pressure of appearing what side was she on and is she happy or not happy. And in churches today, both the preachers and the worshippers are wondering um, what is God saying? And I have a message for you from the Lord. And I would like us today to grapple with four issues. I like to say the issues I want to grapple with so that you can choose where to go easy and fall asleep and where you want to keep awake because there is a, a menu that you can relate with. And one of the issues which I'll grapple with is how to handle the election outcomes, especially if your candidates have lost the elections. A few of mine have, so I am one of you uh, grappling with what to do with it. And how to treat our expectations on the politicians. This country has a very misguided view on who politicians are and what they can do and achieve. And we go to elections with such emotion and we come out of them with such disappointment and over the next five years the disappointments will increase dramatically as you consider the politicians. And if we talk a little bit about how to treat and handle our expectations, that can prepare us and possibly make us more useful to the politicians. And then we shall ask, what is it that you are believing God for Kenya as an individual, and what contribution will you make to make that come to pass? When we go to the elections, very often we project the engagement as though everything starts and ends with the politicians. But you hear there are only about 800 of them out of over 50 million Kenyans and 23 million registered voters. The destiny of this country depends a lot more on you and I and your compatriot 50 million Kenyans than the handful of 800 or so elected leaders at every level. And you are likely to drop the ball and leave the politicians to lead as we so often do, which will be foolish and a serious mistake. This country will achieve its destiny when all of us remain engaged. When all of us remain engaged. And I will wrap up 
with rather unpopular bit of my preaching about the need to have a personal and a family manifesto that will guide you for the next five years so that when we are evaluating the winners of these elections, you can evaluate how it's going in your family depending on the decisions that you took. And we shall dwell on that quite a little bit. So you see, you can find when you wake up, if you sleep, something still going on that is likely to be useful. A passage has been read for us by Lorin, Pastor Lorin, this afternoon that I think is a very dramatic and graphic uh, passage. And I will share most of my thoughts from it. And I would like to encourage you to read it again at home. Isaiah 35, verses 1 to 7. And bathe yourself today as we go through the service and in days to come. I think it is likely to have an enduring message for you. Isaiah chapter 35 follows on chapter 34, which is a very grim chapter in Isaiah, who is called the prophet of hope, because in 34, he talks about the judgment of God against the nations because of their rebellion and a looming punishment on them leading to severe desolation and destruction. For the Israelites who are addressed in chapter 35, prophet Isaiah anticipates a time when they too will be in a difficult position, not on account of punishment from God, but as part of their normal sojourn in life. And he does address what will happen as a result. And he says for the Israelites, they will be in a desert land, a parched, dry, wasteland, an environment where life would not be satisfactory in any way. Now many Christians, especially if they are very Pentecostal sometimes, they believe in such a wonderful God, they will never be in trouble. They will never have a challenge because this gracious God has a way of causing our boundaries to always fall in good places. But sometimes there are legitimate circumstances of hopelessness and helplessness, humanly speaking. And Isaiah says the Israelites will be in such a place. And he says, in that place, when they get there, he has a word of hope and promise and reassurance and joy for them at that time. Because he says, God will visit them. And when he visits them, he will transform their situations in such a way that the desert will be very productive land. That their situations will be so different they will be full of joy. Like the Israelites, Kenyans have many challenges at a national level, and we hope that the outcome of the elections will help us solve some of those problems. 
But many Kenyans at a personal level also have very many challenges that are weighing heavily on them and they are feeling that they need some help and some attention. In fact, in this country, there are some people who are resigned in desperation to their circumstances and don't, they don't think their circumstances can actually change because they are on the end of their tether, on the end of the road. And so God's word to Kenyans today is the same as to the Israelites, that God will visit this country to save us. When he comes to visit us, our barrenness and our dryness, that desert situation that you are in will be transformed both at the national and the personal levels in our lives and in our families. I don't know whether you believe that God will come and visit. Maybe I should ask, has God ever visited you? Do you have testimonies in your life that you went through situations God actually came? And I think pastor should give opportunity one of these days for people to say, when God visited them, what happened? In my long life now, I think I am a sum total of periodic visits by God in my life and interventions. And every time God visited, he left a residue of blessing and grace and joy and fulfillment and gifts so that every later visit found me better off than the previous visit. And if God has never visited you, join a fellow who has sung a song. It's not a mokorino. <laughs> he has said, Mungu nitembele hata mimi unitende diyo wengine wakisema yale mungu amewatendea. Hata mimi, niwe na lakusema, yale ametenda. Because some of you think that God is a discriminator. God does not discriminate. If you actually align your heart with him, and you open yourself to him, and you actually invite him, the Bible even says that he stands at the door, <laughs> knocking, checking who will open so that he can come in, not just make a visit, but dine with you. And if God visits, life cannot be the same again. But what I want you to carry very powerfully from this Isaiah passage is something he introduces. He tells the Israelites, in anticipation of a time when God would come and visit, to align their current lives then before God has come with God's 
visit and the way they will live when he comes. I don't know whether you've ever seen someone with very high expectation and anticipation. Sometimes you meet them and you ask them, what is going on with your life? And they say, I'm okay. And you tell them, no, there must be something dramatically significant in your life that is coming because the bounds and the gate I'm seeing you take as you walk is not your normal. <laughs> there is a way in which when we have a future expectation that is real and a big, assured, transfesh, transformational Expectation for the future, it informs our current and has a way of releasing in us currently before that situation has come a lot of hope, a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of power way before that situation comes. And so every time you find someone walking that is crestfallen and looking hopeless, even when they believe in Jesus and you know, tell yourself there is a problem with his hope or her hope for the future. When you have a distinct, clear hope for the future, it always translates to an impact in your life now. So as Christians, when you go around with a gloomy face, mourning and grumbling and sounding desperate and frustrated and regretful, you are a nuisance and a liability because you destroy those around you and you diminish their faith in God. But when you are buoyant and strong and hopeful and energetic and hopeful regardless of the circumstances. People look at you and they say, I want their God. Because only their God could cause their lives to translate like this. So Isaiah tells the Israelites what to do. He says, now, not then, strengthen your feeble hands and steady your knees which give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come to save you. That's God's message for you today and for Kenya. And it's not time to be downcast and fearful. It's not time to be worried and anxious. It is not time to speak despair and hopelessness. It is time to rise up and be buoyant so that people looking at your very countenance say, Kuna something is coming. The way these people of God are on fire with expectation and hope. Now, when God visits, 
It is not like when your high school classmate comes to visit you. When God visits, it is not like when one of your relatives drops in with a kijogo for your children to enjoy. When God visits, he comes with all his divine attributes. He comes and performs miracles. He comes bathed in his mercy, looking at your situation and determining areas of your life that require his intervention. And he intervenes not because you have asked, but because he has come. He is unable to come and things remain the same. If he comes, things must change. For the Israelites, he said, Isaiah, when God comes, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will leap, the mute will speak, water will gush in the wilderness. They will see streams of water in the desert. Grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And so, Isaiah casts a very hopeful situation. Who would not, if you are an Israelite, delight in the very possibility and pray that when God comes, you'll be found there. Now this hope has carried the Jewish people for generations. This is our hope as Christians. From generation to generation. And Jesus displayed it in his life. This hope that Isaiah talks about will be realized fully only in the rapture. But I want to suggest to you, for those who have been to the promised land, to Israel, current geographical Israel, and I have been, you get amazed at what a desert place Israel is. Now God, without removing the desert situation, because of his promise in scripture, and you know there are some intercessors who say, you must pray for Israel, because in praying for Israel, you align yourself with God. That desert place is so productive when it is still a desert. Israel is a net food exporter. They have a lot more food than they need. In every agricultural sector in Israel, they operate on the cutting edge of science. In dairy, in fruits and horticulture, in wheat and everything. They operate on the cutting edge. When they have their breakthroughs and benefited from the commercialization of their innovations and discoveries, other nations take over what they have done as Israel moves forward in their search for greater knowledge and information. And also in health. And you never stop to get amazed. You know, when God is with you, your desert is not a problem. When God is with you, 
Your desert is a dramatic contest. Context. For the display of the power of God in his visitation. So that when he visits, your enemies and your friends are all left with a testimony, God visited. There is no way her or his circumstances could change as they have unless God came. And they are left saying they want God to visit them. That is what he has done with Israel. What happens when God visits? What will happen when God visits you? And when God visits, he deals with the challenges of the people in their present generation. Transforms their barrenness and hopelessness to a fulfilling dispensation. And I don't know what are your barren deserts in your life now. I was telling the guys in the other service that some very innovative pastors occasionally tell people in their congregations like you, I know you are going through challenges and problems. Uh, some of your life situations are completely desert and barren. I would like you to take a pen and paper and write your barren corners and situations, all of them on a paper. And then you file and bring them here so that you place them here and I will step on them and prophesy that they are cleared and destroyed in the name of Jesus. He doesn't leave things the way he found them. You do not have a desert situation. You do not have a situation that God cannot handle. In fact, if your situation is grim, grim and grave and challenging, thank God for it. Tell God I thank you that I have a difficult situation. It is an opportunity and a context for the, the display of your power, O oh God, and splendor. Our Lord is coming to Kenya to save us. When he comes, what problems will be he solve? And I was reminded that we are in a season where nobody needs to spend time researching on our problems. They have all been researched. From Wajakoyo to Pastor Maore and Raira and Ruto, they hired experts to analyze Kenyans' problems and set them out in their manifestos, and set solutions in the manifestos that are proposed. And they positioned that they are best equipped and aligned to solve our problems better than anyone else. So when God asks, what problems do you want me to solve? You don't need to struggle. Just collect the manifestos, take them to the Lord and say, God, these are the problems of Kenya as currently articulated by our leaders and our experts, come and solve these problems. Now you need to do that. Because our democracy is now 59 years old. And the characteristics of, of Kenya is that in every election, some people have come and set out manifestos for us. 
and promised that they will resolve the issues that hold us down. But repeatedly and faithfully, they have done their five terms and finished their tenures and left. And those who follow come and when they write out the problems of Kenya, they repeat the same problems and set out solutions for them. Now if this has happened in 50 years, 59, why do you think that the person who goes to state house will in five years solve the problems. In fact, the ones that are likely, none of them has not been there for quite a time in parliament. One of them has been a deputy president, the other one has been a prime minister. We still have the same problems. We still have the same problems. But when God comes, unlike our politicians, his manifestos are executed. You know, the promises God makes are not powerful because they have been articulated. They are powerful because they have been given by someone who has the power and the wherewithal to make it come to pass. So he looks at a woman who is rather old, getting to 90, long into menopause, and says, you'll have a baby. And she laughs and says, God has humor. <laughs> you know, he was there when I was young. He was there when I was desperate for a baby. He was there when my periods were flowing. He was there when it was natural. How can he wait until all hope is lost and now say, I will have a baby? And she gets a baby. Because if God says you'll have a baby, he has the capacity to cause it to happen. A lot of our leaders will tell us the things they can do, but they have no capacity to make them happen. So the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will leap, the mute will talk, and water will gush in the deserts. And so when God comes to Kenya, he will heal the people. He will heal our economy. He will heal our social ills like corruption and the ethnicity. And when he comes, he might use the people we have elected. But he doesn't have to. He is not imprisoned and constrained by anyone on or anything. He can save and transform our situation without the input of all these people. Now you are wondering, I said there are certain things I want to discuss and I still don't seem to have discussed them. Am I still remembering? These are the things that I want to spend a few minutes on now. They are the easier ones, but I, I wanted you to surprise yourself who you are. 
I wanted you to surprise yourself what is lined up in your favor. The God of heaven, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the almighty, the Lord of hosts, promises to come and visit you. And visit this country. Do you really want to have your eyes focused on Ruto? Do you really want to have your eyes focused on Raira? Even our Jacob people I saw here last time who are not very many. Do you think he is our solution? You know, Pastor Lorin, you can have guests in your home. And just as you are ready for them, another guest comes. And instead of serving him, you go to the kitchen. I'll go back to the drawing board. Because this guest is amazing. That's the promise you have. That's the one who is coming. Now, elections 2022, what do you do with the outcomes to those elections? And I will say God's word to you is accept the outcomes of those elections. Accept them to be God's will for Kenya at this time. I've said before and I repeat, subject to exhaustion of the legal machineries available for any that is aggrieved who can actually protest the outcome when they exhaust all those things. Accept the results as God's will. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Pick the published list when it is ready and finalized. Lift it to the Lord in prayer and tell God, I accept these results and I offer these men and women who have been elected to you as vessels for you to use for the accomplishment of your purposes and your will in the country. And our aspirations Intercede and in prayer commit them to the Lord and declare that the good Kenya is bringing, God is bringing to Kenya on account of this election you want to receive. And I'm saying, I suspect this gentleman was neighbors with the UDA people. Can't see, Pastor, you, you are being persuaded a little by the Azimio. Just assume someone was elected by UDA and you are ultra Azimio. You know you are taking the UDA person to God and saying, Kamal, I live to you. You know I wanted to choose X, but this is the one who was chosen. I accept him as your will for us at this time. And I uphold him in prayer and pray that the good you want to do in Kenya through him I want to receive. You know your fellows who lost have lost. 
until you come after five years, they will not be useful to you. You are praying for them because they have a big problem themselves. They cannot solve your problem. So you accept the ones that have been chosen. They are God's will. And you take them to the Lord. And then I urge that you sober your expectations. How we must hold our leaders to account for the promises they have made. Recognize that we have 59 years experience. And the leaders have never done anything very dramatic. Treat their MOUs as love letters and CVs that they sent to us to entice us which even if they wanted to fulfill, they don't have the capacity. Actually, our experience in Kenya, every time we choose people to come and sort out our ignorance, poverty, and disease, once they enter offices, their disease is sorted. They are not sick again. Their parishioners, no, their constituents are left dying in disease when they are well. Some of them will never see poverty again once we elect them. Their aim is not to sort out our poverty, but their own. And some of them don't even think Kenya has good schools where they can take their children. They fight ignorance so badly, so thoroughly in their families, they take their children for high school abroad. And in the meantime, children are dropping out of school in their constituencies. Those are not people for you to kill each other over. Be surprised if you choose them and they actually lack sleep thinking about you. I've known some who, even before they are sworn in, they have changed their numbers. So that you cannot actually reach them if you used to be in their network. Let us wait for God. He's the one who, when he comes, atafanya majabu katietu. Ask God to come. The president needs God. The governor needs God. The MP needs God. It is we who can usher these leaders into where they can find solace and blessing for them. What do you want to believe for Kenya and your responsibility for it? Second Chronicles 7.14 Those people who are called by the name of God, if they pray and repent their sins, God in heaven will hear and he'll have mercy and heal their land. Pray for the healing of Kenya. Jeremiah 29, 7 says, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Pray for the prosperity of Kenya. If it prospers, you will prosper indirectly. And now the last bit, the family manifesto. I suggested last week that everybody considers that. Because when we hold elections, by the grace of God, if they are peaceful, 
we create opportunity for leaders to come who can govern the affairs of Kenya so that Kenya prospers. But as an individual and as a family, you are benefit because you are not going to be an MCA or in state house is to use the dispensation of peace and tranquility that is created by mature politicians to chart out your path so that you pursue your destiny and the prosperity and the well-being of your family. Too many times people come through an election and they don't address that concern. And I said this year, I want to propose that you actually do a manifesto like uh, these guys who are running for president and set out your plans. But because the week was very tense, I suspect most of you did not get a chance to actually begin to write out your manifesto. And today, my inspiration is a few people are bewildered. What does a manifesto look like? What is the content? And I want to pan out a few thoughts and then we pray. Your manifesto is about you are looking at your situation and that of your family and wondering what are the issues that are a challenge to you? Where do they come from? Who is responsible for them? If you, want them, them, if you wanted them to be tackled, how would they be tackled? How would you go about it? And I suggest that you all ensure that you actually take time to invest in setting up out a manifesto. A few thoughts for you to consider. The relations between members of your family. A lot of Christian family relationships are on autopilot. They go where they like. There are some women who they wake up in the morning, they have no problem. The whole day akifikiria hako kalitoka wapi. Kalikuja tu ama aliwaza akafikiria kwa muda. And some of the responses men get when they try to engage their wives wanauliza kwani huyu alikuwa na shida inamkula hapo awali anagojea nafasi nipeane aweze kunirukia. You know you can be very intentional about your family relations with your husband and with your wife, with your children and with your parents. You can be very intentional about how you want to nurture those relationships. Some marriages are breaking not because there is an act of God that has happened, but because people were careless for long enough, not investing in nurturing those relationships. And you can sit and ask, how are our relationships now? And intentionally set out a path how you want them to go. And you can actually plan around your career, dreams, and your professional life 
and work as well because those are also equally important. Sasa, Pastor, kama mutu aliolewa kwa ijinia wa Kenya Power. Kama tuseme wa Kenya Railways. Na SGR imekwama adhiriva. Atalala kwa kitanda. Na ni ijinia. Wa Kenya Railways. Setatumua gari kwa nasairini. Ikuja imbebe aende akasoluishe shida. So let's talk about the work that we do, the professions that we are in, the, the careers that we are in, and ask, are they interfering or nurturing family? How can we manage them in such a way that they are a resource that, rather than a problem? And money, financial matters. They actually say, most families that hit the rocks, Amongst all the problems that they have, money tends to be one of them. So if you do not have a plan how you deal with your money, it will create a problem for you. And it will literally hinder in the pursuit of your dreams and objectives. Pastor in this church, maybe not so much, there are men and women who don't know what their spouses earn. Sasa pesa ambao inakuwa hand kwa boma na haijulikani moja kwa mwingine ni gapi inakuja. Watawasiliana namna gani wajue vile wataitumia. Now, the reason why people don't know how much the others have is not usually where they began. Usually, it is because of discomfort about how people spend money that has been earned by someone else in the home. <laughs> so talk about your money issues. Talk about your money issues. Talk about the pain points on money. They say from management, not the Bible, even though the Bible does say things that you can apply, couples who find a way to bring their money together between a man and a wife and plan around it from pure management. Their money tends to be stretched much longer and to accomplish much more than couples who spend their money separately. So if you spend your money separately, solve the problems that are the reason for spending your money separately. And we'd better say, Pastor, the reason why that happens a lot is not because of the women. Very often, it is the men who like to believe they are the lords of money. I should not be asked questions. Accept to be asked questions. You will be asked questions in heaven. Practice right here. How to be asked questions and answer so that when you go to heaven you will not have a very difficult time <laughs> talk about your home 
Do you live where you like? Or is there another place you'd like to live? I was telling the guys in the other service, too many families are lasting too long in rental houses. Telling people that they have a plan to go and live in a very grand place one day when they are okay. Even birds have nests. And they build nests where they are operating. They don't wait for things to get better. You get a home where you can find one. Now. You will still go to those other places where you'd like to go. The home you have in Gashie will not stop you from going to Runda. The home you have in Runda will not stop you from going to learn to live where you are. <laughs> and then in that plan, depending on your age, talk about retirement as well. Talk about your ministry calling and commitments. Talk about your community service. Set out clear objectives and plans that have indicators that are monitored where you are accountable. You know, Pastor, if I show up at home with a bunch of money, my wife has a right to ask me, Nahiri tokawapi. Money just, does, just, does, just doesn't just drop on a parachute. Kama ni nyingi, itakuwa na mahali imetoka. Na ni mzuri uweze kuelewa. Na kueleza. Na kama hauwezi, pekine mutafungwa. It helps to be accountable. I want to suggest that uh, we have a sufficient agenda from the Lord. And if we are sober and rational and sensible, and if we are carrying out our national duties as we did on Tuesday, this last week, but if we are addressing our needs and our situations and our concerns and our family issues, adequately and strategically and intentionally and willingly and with accountability God has big designs for you. The possibilities for your family are beyond your wildest imagination. You'll even get rich and very prosperous. One day, Pastor Bishop will have a chopper that, that can be taking him where he was. Because if the money comes, because the people of God are blessed and are prospering, and they are giving proportionately to their giftedness and resources. Let us stand to pray. And I want to ask as we pray, don't you want God to come to your life and make a visit as he visits Kenya? Why don't you say a short prayer to him about your invitation for him to come and visit? And pointing out to him the corners in your life where you'd like him to visit. The areas in your life where you'd like him to touch and resolve. From our discussions... Why don't you even accept before him the outcomes of the elections? Even the one that will follow, you say you have accepted. And you lift these people to the Lord and say, use them as vessels 
in your hands to transform this country and bring us blessing. And this manifesto business committed to the Lord and tell God that your family was made for something better than you are having. When you married that man, you had higher dreams than you are seeing fulfilled. When you married that wife, if you look at the reasons why you left the other girls who are near you, you had clear understanding how wonderful she was. And pray that God may cause to come to pass the dreams and aspirations that you had. And pray for his grace that you may do the little work that is necessary and possible to prepare yourself for this dispensation. And you can go before the Lord in prayer and say, God, I have never in the past taken a five-year block of time like we are in now and planned around it. And you tell God, help me to plan with my family for the next five years. And you who fulfills the desires of the hearts of your people, fulfill our desires. And as your minister, I agree with you and declare that it is done as you have prayed and are praying in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.